0: We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the sixth and final piece in Hilchos Psuli Mukdashim. This is Parak Yod Ches HaLecha Chaf Dalid. And this piece is similar to the previous piece. Rab Chaim is discussing why the Rambam holds that if a Tame person eats the Levona, the spices sanctified in the Beis HaMikdash, they do not get punished. And again, it's going to be a more technical analysis and less conceptual than he generally does. The Rambam rules v'chein ha v'aktores so too the levona, the k'tores, the spices, and the b'sam mikdash, and the wood. A person does not get punished with kares, the soul getting cut off, a person does not get a punishment, not for them being pigol if the Kohen did the service with the intention to do it improperly, and not if they're nosar, if it's leftover after their time, and not if it's tumas agulf, if the person eating them is tummy So even though ordinarily, in those cases, a person whose tame does get punished for eating carbon meat, sanctified meat, but they do not get punished in the case of the spices or wood. Now, Derived questions this. He says, This is only the view of Reb Shimon. But according to the Rabbanan, there is a punishment of kares. So the Ravid asks why the Rambam rules according to Reb Shimon, as opposed to the majority opinion of the Rabbanan, which is more strict. Now this whole issue is in the Mishnah in Zvachim Emhe Amid Beis Chayav Mishum Pigol Chayav Mishum Nosar Mishum Tame. The first view is that even these items, which are not obligated because of Pigol, but they are obligated because of Nosar, and if someone Tame eats them, Rab Shimon disagrees. He holds that the only punishment is something that is edible, food items. But the spices and the wood ein chayav in alav tuma. One does not get punished for eating them when they're tameh. Now the Gemara on Memvav Amid Beyz quotes a debate: Rabbi Yochanan veShlakish, Lezer, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanina. So there were these four rabbis: Chad Mehayzuza, Chad Mehayzuza. So one from each of the pairs. So basically, it was two against two. Chad Amar Basar, One side said that the whole debate in the Mishnah is only when the spices and the wood themselves are tame. So there the rabbis are strict and they hold that there's a punishment. But if the person is tame and they eat the spices and the wood, so then there's no punishment even according to the Rabbanan. So everyone agrees to Rabbi Shimon's leniency that there is no punishment when the person themselves is tame. And the other side said that it's the same debate in either case, so whether the person is Tameh, or whether the Levona or the etzim is Tameh, in either way, the Rabbis are strict and they hold that there is a punishment and Reb Shimon holds that there is no punishment. And the reason is because the Torah has two prohibitions. One is if the meat, the item itself is Tameh, if the meat becomes Tameh, and the other one is if the person is Tameh, if he is Tameh. So, Since according to the Rabbanon, Eitzim and Levona are included in the prohibition when they themselves are Tameh, so it follows that they're also included in the prohibition when the person is Tameh. Because the two prohibitions go together, they have the same criteria. So this is the version of Rav then the Gemara says that Rav Kahana had a different version of this whole debate. And according to him, it's the exact opposite. Again, the same two sides. One said that the only time Rebbe Shimon is lenient is only when the person themselves is Tameh. But if the wood or the spices are Tameh, so then everyone, even Rebbe Shimon, agrees that the person gets punished for eating them. And the other view said that no, it's the same debate whether the person is Tameh or whether the etzim and Levona is Tameh. Either way, Reb Shimon is lenient in both cases and the Rabbanon are strict in both cases. And then the Gemara quotes that Rava sided with that view, machlokas bizu, kach b'zu, it makes sense that it's a consistent machlokas in both cases. Again, because since the Torah gave two prohibitions, one is for the person who's tameh, one is if the meat is tame, so if according to Reb Shimon, we do not include etzim and Levona in the Pasuk, which prohibits when the person is tame, So it seems logical that they're also not included in the Pasuk, which prohibits when the item itself is Tame. So that's how the Gemara sets up this whole issue. So that's why the Raivit is questioning the Rambam, why does he rule leniently in the case of someone Tameh that ate the Eitzim and Levona? That seems to be the view of Reb Shimon, but the rabbis seem to be strict and hold that there is a punishment of Kareis, so the Rambam should have ruled like the majority. Now the Kesef Mishnah adds a second question to the ruling of the Rambam, because the Rambam seems to say that if the person is Tameh and he eats Eitzim and Levona, then there's no punishment. But if the Eitzim and Levona themselves are Tamey, so it sounds like in the Rambam, there would be a punishment. And in fact, the Rambam earlier, which is the halacha that the previous piece was about, so he stated that explicitly, that if the Levona became tameh after it was sanctified, a person does get punished for eating it. So the Rambam seems to clearly differentiate between when the person is tameh, where there is no punishment for eating the Levona, versus when the Levona is tameh, where there is a punishment. So this is difficult because it goes against what Rava said at the end of the Gemara, that both cases should be consistent. So why does the Rambam differentiate his rulings between those two cases and not follow Rava's principle that the ruling in both cases should be consistent? And to add to this question, earlier in Zvachim Lamid Dalid, there's a debate between Abaya and Rava in a case where someone ate tameh meat before the blood was sprinkled. So anyways, they weren't supposed to be eating this meat, but in addition to that, the meat is also now tame. So Abaya holds that they do get punished for eating that meat, even though if they were tame, they would not get punished for eating that meat. But since the meat is tame, the rules are different, and they do get punished in that case. Rubba though says that in both cases, whether they're tame or whether the meat is tame, they do not get punished, because they have to be consistent. So this is, again, a reflection of Rava's principle. He's reiterating on Lamidalid what he's going to say later on Memvav, that the case where the person is Tameh and the case where the meat is Tameh should be consistent. And if the case where the person is Tameh is not included in the prohibition of the Torah, so when the meat is Tameh is also not included in the prohibition, they have to go together. And the Rambam in Psudah Muqtashim Yudches Yudbez rules like Rava in that case. So why, when it comes to the issue of the Eitzim and Levona, does the Rambam suddenly start differentiating between whether the person is Tameh or the Levona is Tameh? He should still follow the ruling of Rava that he himself codified in another case that the two situations of the person being Tameh or the meat being Tameh should be consistent. So those are the two questions on the Rambam. The Raivid's question, why does he rule like Reb Shimon and not the Rabbanan? And the Kesef Mishnah's question, why does he rule against Rava? So, in order to explain how the Rambam arrived at his halachic ruling, Rab Chaim is now going to explain at some length what the two different traditions in the Gemara of Rav Tavyumi and Rav Kahana are, and how they each view the debate between Rab Shimon and the Rabbanan. And then from there, we'll see where the Rambam found his rulings in the discussion of the Gemara. So, again, there were two different frameworks as to how to explain the debate between Rab Shimon and the Rabbanan. The Lishna Kama, the first version, which was Rav Tavyumi. So he explained that the whole debate is only when the item itself is Tame, but when the person is Tame, so everyone rules leniently that he doesn't get punished. And the Lishna Basra, the second version, which is Rav Kahana. So he said the opposite, that the whole debate is only when the person is Tame, but when the item itself is Tame, so then everyone agrees that he does get punished. And in each tradition, there's another view that argues that the machlokas between Reb Shimon and Rabbanon is consistent across both cases. Now, Reb Chaim raises an issue, which is the Gemara only quotes Rava, saying that both of them are consistent after it mentioned the Lishna Basra, the second version. It doesn't quote Rava after it mentioned the first version. So, Reb Chaim wants to understand, is Rava referring to both versions, or is he only referring to the second version? So, Reb Chaim uses a historical... Proof, which is very unusual for him. But basically, his argument is that Rav Kahana and Rav Tavyumi both lived after Ravah, because in the Gemara Kama Mem Aleph, they both quote Ravah. So, obviously, this discussion between the two of them is happening after Ravah. So, according to Rav Chaim, what that means is that if Ravah had stated his opinion according to Rav Tavyumi, then he would have mentioned it also, because he obviously would have been aware of it. So the fact that Rav Tavyumi the first version, makes no mention of Rava, only Rav Kahana quotes Rava as having said they have to be consistent. So that indicates that Rava is only saying this position according to the second version. But in the Lishna Kama, Rava does not insert his principle. But now this raises the issue, what does Rava's principle have to do with the second version that it doesn't have to do with the first version? There seems to be nothing implicit in Rava's statement that only fits in with the lishna basra so why in fact did rava not say this principle according to the lishna kava so in order to answer this, Rab Chaim formulates a bit of a conceptual idea, which is when Rava said that the two cases are consistent, what does he mean by that? Does he just mean that since the Torah listed both cases together, so if one is not being punished, then the other is also not, meaning since the Psukim are together, they're always consistent, that's just the way this halacha works, or does he mean something stronger, that the two halachas are dependent on each other, that in the case where the Torah if the person is Tame, he doesn't get punished. So that makes it that if the item is tame, he also doesn't get punished. Because the case of the item being tame depends on the case of the person being tame. So in any circumstances where the person is tame and he doesn't get punished, that then creates the halakha that in those circumstances, if the meat was tame, then he also wouldn't get punished. So the case of the item being tame depends on the halakha in that case if the person is tame. So Rab Chaim brings a proof to this second formulation from the Igmar and, and Ayin tests. The Gemara there is discussing the special halacha that if a majority of the Jewish people are tamay, then they do the Karban Pesach. Usually you cannot do the Karban Pesach if someone is tameh, but in the case where a majority of the Jews are tameh, there's an exception and they can go ahead and do it. So the Gemara says that not only if the Jews are tameh, but even if the Kohanim who would do the service are tameh, and even if the vessels in the Beis HaMikdash are tameh, so then they can go ahead and do the whole thing in tumah because the special leniency of the Karban is that once it's allowed to be done so then you can do it in Tumah. So Rav Chista limits this general leniency only to a case where the vessels are tame with tumas mace from contact with a dead body, in which case anyone that touches them is also going to become tame. So that's why there's a broad exemption that anyone can go ahead and do the carbon in that case, because whoever touches those vessels is anyways going to become tame, so it makes no difference who does it. But if the vessels were tame with tumas sherets, they came in contact with a dead bug, so then they're not going to make the person who touches them impure but the meat that touches them is going to be impure so then Rav Chista says that someone who's Tameh should not deal with the meat, only someone who's Tahor because better for the meat itself to be Tameh than for the person doing it to be Tameh so according to Rav Chista there's a lower level violation when the meat is Tameh versus when the person doing the carbon is Tameh so if we're able to minimize the violation and have someone Tahor do it with Tameh meat, so then that's better than having someone Tameh do it. So now Rava disagrees with Rav Chista for reasons that are going to be very similar to his earlier position that we saw. And Rava holds that in all of these cases, anyone can do it. It doesn't matter what kind of Tumah it is, even someone Tameh is able to do the carbon Pesach. And the reason is because the Torah put two things together. V'habasar lo yochal. Any meat which is Tameh shouldn't be eaten, together with V'habas are called Tahor Yochal. Anyone whose Tahor is able to eat the meat. So according to Rava, these two have to go together. In a case where Tameh meat is not allowed to be eaten, then only someone Tahar can eat the meat. But once we allow Tameh meat for the Karban Pesach to be eaten, so it follows that the second part of the Pasuk also doesn't apply and people who are Tameh are also able to eat the meat. So again, Rava argues that there's no difference between whether the meat is Tameh or the person is Tameh once the Torah suspended the rules for the meat to be Tameh so that automatically suspends the second half of the pasuk that the person can also be tamé. So now, in that case, says Rab Chaim, we're not comparing the two prohibitions independently to each other because there's no need to compare them, as well as the same leniency already applies to both of them. So, in any case where there's a majority of the Jewish people that have that tuma, it would get suspended for the carbon pesach. So we already know that the rules all apply in both cases. What's unique about this situation is that there is a majority. Of tuma on the meat, but there's not a majority of tuma on the people. So you could easily say that even though both halachas are suspended when there's a communal need, but since in this situation there's no need to suspend the tuma on the people, so we only suspend the tuma on the meat and not on the people. But the fact that Rava doesn't say that—that Rava says that they do have to be consistent. So if we're suspending the tuma on the meat, we're also suspending the tuma on the people. So that means that the proper formulation in Rava is that since the tuma of the meat is suspended that automatically creates the new halacha where the tuma on the people is also suspended. So what rabba means to say is not that we compare both of them because they're in the same pasuk together because then in this case that might not affect the halacha but what he means to say is the stronger formulation that once one part of the pasuk is suspended that forces the next part of the pasuk to be suspended. So if we apply that back to our case in Zvachim It's the same thing. What Rabbah means to say is that once we remove the prohibition, if the person is Tameh, so then it must follow that in the same case where the meat or the object is Tameh, there's also no prohibition. So basically, Rab Chaim is suggesting that we interpret both of these principles of Rava in Zvachim and Psachim in light of one another, even though they're slightly different. But since in both of them Rava is using a pasuk and he's saying that the two cases of the pasuk, if a person is tameh or if the object is tameh, both should be consistent. So Rab Chaim believes that they should be similar principles; they should work the same way. And since in the Gemara and Psachim, it seems that the principle has to be that one of the cases being suspended forces the fact that the other case is suspended. It's not that they both get there independently and happen to both be reflected in the Pasuk, but they're dependent on each other. So the same would be true in Zvachim. So that brings us to the formulation of Rava's principle in Zvachim, that since in this case where the person is tame, they're not going to get punished. So that forces the fact that when the item is tame, they also don't get punished. So now having established this, Rab Chaim continues to explore what this is going Going to mean in terms of interpreting the Gemara and Zvachim. So he says, if the explanation had been like the first formulation, that both cases have to be consistent because since they're in the Torah, so they follow similar criteria. So then that would have been a principle both for stringency as well as leniency. So if we're stringent in the case of one, we should be stringent in the other. And if we're lenient in the case of one, then we should be lenient in the case of the other. Because since the Torah included them in the same psukim, so it means that they follow follow similar rules and we can't differentiate between them halachically. But according to the second formulation, that they're dependent on each other. So it's not that they independently follow the same track, but each one of them is dependent on the other one. So that only applies in terms of leniency. Once one of them is suspended, so then the other one is automatically suspended. So if in this case, the tuma of the person does not get punished, so it would have to be that the tuma of the item also doesn't get punished, or vice versa. If the tumma of the item doesn't get punished, that forces the tumma of the person also not to get punished. But the principle has nothing to do with stringency. So if we say that one of them is going to get punished, that doesn't necessarily force the other one to get punished. So according to the second formulation which Rab Chaim prefers, this whole principle only applies for leniency, but it does not force a stringency, because we have no reason to say that if one of them is stringent, then the other one should be stringent. The only formulation we can say is that if one of them is lenient, then it forces the other one, which is mentioned in the same pasuk, to also be lenient. So according to Rab Chaim's preferred formulation, this is purely a principle for leniency. So now, plugging all of this back into the Gemara, Rab Chaim says very brilliantly that there's a key difference between the Lishna Kama and the Lishna Basra. The first version said that the rabbis who are stringent are only stringent when it's Tumas Basra, the item is tame, but when it's Tumas Aguf, the person is tame. So there, they're lenient. And then the other side disagreed with that and said, no, it has to be consistent. But the consistency in this situation is a stringency. Because the first view is saying that the rabbis are lenient by Tumas Haguf, And the second view is arguing that they can't be lenient. It all has to be consistent. So they have to be stringent. So since that principle is using consistency as a stringency, so that has nothing to do with Rava. Because as we just said, Rava only applies that principle for leniency. So that's why Rava doesn't say his principle in the lishna kama because the lishna kama's consistency does not mean like Rava that the two are dependent on each other it means rather like the first formulation Rabbi Chaim suggests that the two independently have to have the same rules so that applies whether it's a stringency or whether it's a leniency but that's a totally different principle than what Rava is saying that the two are dependent on each other so that's why in the lishna kama the gemara does not quote, Rava, because the consistency principle in the Lishna Kama is that both of them independently have the same rules, whether it's for stringency or whether it's for leniency. Then the Gemara quotes the Lishna Basra, and there it's going the other way. It's saying that even though Reb Shimon is lenient when it comes to Tomas Haguf, but when it comes to Tomas Basar, he's strict. So there the Gemara applies the consistency rule as an argument for leniency. The Gemara is saying that since Reb Shimon is lenient for Tumas Aguf, then he also should be lenient for Tumas Basar. So, since in the Lishna Basra, the consistency principle is an argument for leniency, so that's why it makes sense to quote Rava, because that's his whole principle, that it has to be consistent in terms of the leniency. Once one of them is suspended, then the other one is forced to be suspended, because it comes from the same Pasuk. So, since in this case, Rab Shimon holds by Tumas Aguf that there's no punishment, that automatically throws off. The punishment in this case for Tumas Basar because they're derived from the same pasuk. So Rab now answered his question on the Gemara why it only invokes Rava in the Lishna Basra, not in the Lishna Kama. The reason is because the Lishna Kama is invoking the consistency principle for stringency, and that goes against Rava, who only applies it for leniency, like the Lishna Basra. And the explanation is that they have two different views of the whole consistency idea. According to the Lishna Kama, consistency means that two things mentioned in the same Pasuk must have the same rules. According to Rava, it means that they're codependent on each other. And now, says Rab Chaim, this also will explain the Rambam's rulings, why he rules against the Rabbanan and against Rabba. The answer is that the Rambam is not ruling against the Rabbanan. He's ruling like the Rabbanan according to one of the views of the Lishna Kama, that the Rabbanan are only strict for Tumas Basar, but they're not strict for Tumas Haguf. So the Rambam rules like that opinion in the Gemara, and that explains all of his rulings. That's why he says Tumas Haguf is lean. He doesn't mean like the Raivid thought to rule like Reb Shimon. He means even according to the Rabbanan, according to the view in the Gemara, that they themselves are lenient for Tomas Aguf. So the Rambam is ruling like the Rabbanan, according to that view. And that's why he doesn't rule like Rava, because the consistency principle is a totally different issue. It has to do with being strict in both cases. Rava doesn't hold of that. So that's why the Rambam, even though in general, he holds like Rava's principle, but it doesn't apply to the view that he's following because he's ruling according to the leniency view and Rava does not apply that principle for stringency. So this explains how the Rambam arrived at his conclusions from this discussion in the Gemara. But now, Rab Chaim asks, according to this view, that the Rabbanan are only strict by Tumas Basar, when the item is tame, but when the person is tame, they agree to be lenient. So now we could turn this on its head. Why aren't they lenient by Tumas Basar because of Rava? In other words, according to Rava's principle, any time one of the cases is lenient, the other case must be lenient. So since they're lenient by Tumas Aguv, that should revert back and make them lenient for Tumas Basar. Are as well. So why don't we apply Rava to this view also? And then according to the Rabbanan, he should be exempt in all cases. So Rab Chaim suggests two answers. The first is that there's a debate in the Gemara whether this idea that we include non-edible foods in the prohibition of eating them tameh like eitzim and levona is that the Raisa or the Rabbanan. So Rav Chaim says maybe that's the debate between the two versions in the Gemara, between Rav Kahana and Rav Tiv The first version holds that it's a De'oraisa, so that's why we're not going to apply Ravah's leniency, because since the Torah explicitly included the prohibition on etzim and Levona, even in a case where the person who's Tameh would not have been punished, so we're forced to say that when the items are Tameh, there's still a punishment. So that's why the first view doesn't apply Ravah, for a leniency in that case. Whereas those who are lenient, so they would hold that the derivation of Eitzim and Levona is really a drabanan, so we don't have an explicit halacha in the Torah that's including the case where the item itself is tame. The second approach, Rab Chaim, suggests is that it could be that when someone is Tameh and eats Eitzim and Levona, the reason that there's a leniency is because since these are not edible items, so they're not included in the prohibition of the Torah of eating hektish, when someone is tummy. So if that's the reason for the leniency, then we're not going to apply Rava's principle that if one case is lenient, the other must be because Rava's principle is specifically talking about when there's a leniency within the Tumma. So when there's a reason that the Tumma of the person or the Tumma of the item do not prohibit in this case, so we have to be consistent, one case forces the other to follow it. But that's only when the leniency is within the Tumma. When the leniency is due to an extraneous factor, like in this case, where it's not edible, so that's why there's a leniency. So there, Ravah doesn't necessarily hold that if one case is lenient, the other has to be. So that's why in this case, where the leniency, where the person is tame, is due to an extraneous factor, we don't automatically expand it to include also the case where the item is tame. So it could be that if the person is tame, they're Pater, but if the item is tame, they're still Chayev. So now, this beautifully explains, though, why Rava does apply to the Lishna Basra, because the second version is going in Reb Shimon, and Reb Shimon does hold that the leniency in this case is based on the Tuma, because the Sifra explains that Reb Shimon's view for leniency is based on the fact that Etzim and Levona are not like Shlamim. they're not like regular carbon meat. So in this case, the Torah prohibition doesn't apply. So Reb Shimon's leniency in the case of the Tumas HaGuf is very much within the Tuma. He doesn't hold that this is the proper type of Tuma with which the Torah prohibited. So there it does make sense to apply Ravah's principle. Once you say that the case of Tumas HaGuf is not prohibited, so it must be that the case of Tumas Basar is likewise not prohibited. So that's why Ravah does apply to the Lishna Basra, but the Lishna Kama, which is in the view of the Rabbanan, they hold that the leniency in the case of the Tumas Haguf is not because of the Tuma itself; that it's not the normal form of Tuma. They hold it's because the item is not a food item. So, since their whole leniency is based on an extraneous factor outside of the Tuma, that's why Rava's principle does not apply. So, we don't reverse it according to the first view of the Lishna Kama in the Rabbanan and say that since their lenient in the case of Tomas Aguf, so that should automatically apply to Tomas Basar, because there we're not dealing with leniencies of Toma, as opposed to the Lishna Basar, which is Reb Shimon, so that is a leniency of Toma, so that's where Rava's principle is going to apply. So again this brings us to the point where Rava's principle does not apply in the lishna kama and that explains why the Rambam who rules according to the first view of the lishna kama in the Rabbanan that there's only a punishment for tumas basar not for tumas Haguf. so that's why the Rambam feels comfortable ignoring Rava's principle because the principle does not apply in the lishna kama but the Rambam is not ruling against Rava in general where Rava's principle applies he does rule in accordance with Rava just it doesn't apply in this case. So now in the fifth paragraph, Rab Chaim sets out to prove this last point that he just made that the Kama does in theory agree with Rava's principle. It just doesn't apply in this case. And this is based on a very strong question he asks on the Gemara. And the answer to that will be that the Kama must hold of Rava's principle. So this is going to prove his idea that nobody disagrees with Rava in this Gemara. It's just that Rava doesn't apply in the Lish so that makes sense of the Rambam's rulings where he ignores Rava's principles. So the question Rab Chaim asks on the Lishna Kama is how could you say that the debate between the rabbis and Rab Shimon is referring to Tomas Basar, not Tomas Haguf? That's how the Lishna Kama starts off. That the whole debate is about Tomas Basar. But according to the first view there, everyone agrees that Tomas Haguf is exempt. So Rab Chaim asks that it's not possible to say that the case of Rab Shimon and the Rabbanan is Tomas Busser Because the Mishnah records this debate between Rabbi Shimon and the Rabbanan in things like Eitzim and Levona, whether there's a punishment for Tumah. And the Brisa explains that we learn this out from Asher Dishu, which is talking about a case of Tumas HaGuf. So according to the Rabbanan, that there's a stringency, it's very clear the case they're talking about is Tumas HaGuf. And that pasuk is trying to say that there's a difference between Pigol, where the person is exempt, versus Tumas. Tuma where they're not and that's all talking about Tumas Haguf because the context over there is a Karban Olaviyorid which is specifically brought when the person is tame. So it's very clear in the Gemara's discussion there that the case of the Mishnah is when the person is Tameh, Tumas Haguf not Tumas Basar when the item is Tameh. And on that Reb Shimon is disagreeing with the Rabbis who are strict and he says that in that case the person's exempt because the Halacha only applies to real food items, not to things which are inedible. So it's clear that Reb Shimon is talking about when the person is tameh that they're not going to be obligated for etzim and Livona. So how is it possible for the Gemara to now show up in the Lishna Kama and say that the whole debate in the Mishnah is only Tumas Basar, not Tomas Aguf, against all of this context from the Brysah's and the Gemara's discussion that's clear that the debate in the Mishnah is about Tumas Aguf. And furthermore, Rab Chaim quotes, that in the Sifra, Parshas Tzav, it quotes a Brisa which has the same exact debate in it. The first view holds that if someone tame. Eats in inedibles like Eitzim and Levona, so they're still chayv. they get punished because the Torah said asher yak dishu, which includes all of these unusual cases and then Rabbi Shmuel disagrees and he says that the prohibition of the Torah only applies to Shlamim which is a normal carbon, so it's meat which is a regular food, as opposed to things which are not food items so they're not included in this prohibition so clearly the debate between the Tanakama and Rabbi Shmuel is the same as the Tanakama and Reb Shimon, Rebbe Ishmael, and Rebbe Shimon have the same view, and the Sifra is clearly discussing a case where the person is Tamei. So again, we have strong evidence that the actual debate was originally about a case where the person is Tame. so we're back to the question, how could the Kama say that the whole debate is only where the item is Tame? So Rab Chaim suggests a very brilliant solution to this problem, and he says that really the Lishna Kama is totally based on Rava's principle. That if one of the cases is Patr, then the other one also has to be. So this is what the Lishna Kama means to say. The original debate between the Rabbanan and Reb Shimon was in a case where the person is Tamey, do they get punished for eating Eitzim and Livona? But now applying the principle of Rava, so if the person is exempt when they're Tamey, the same Exemption is going to apply when the item is tamay, because as we said, according to Rava, if one of the cases is exempt, then the other case has to be exempt. So that's how we arrived at the idea that the Rabbanan and Reb Shimon's debate is in a case of Tomas Basar, even though it's clear that the original context of the debate was Tomas HaGuf, but since according to Rava, we can transfer the debate to include also Tomas Basar, so that's what the Gemara means, that they're arguing in the case of Tomas Basar. Now, when it comes to Tomas HaGuf, there actually is no practical debate. So the way the Gemara views the original debate is Reb Shimon holds that there's an inherent leniency in the Torah for anything which is not a food item. The Torah's prohibition of someone Tameh eating it does not apply. So according to Reb Shimon, there's an explicit leniency in the psukim of the Torah that someone Tameh who eats a non food item is exempt. According to the Rabbanan, there is no explicit leniency. The way we know that someone Tameh who eats a non food item is exempt is just because it's not a food item. So it cannot be prohibited when it's not an actual piece of food. So now, when we transfer that debate over to Tumas Basar, according to the Rabbanan, since there's no inherent leniency in the case of Tomas Haguf. It's just a technicality that since this is not real food, there's no prohibition. So as Rab Chaim explained, Ravah's principle does not apply to a case of a technicality. So that's why the Rabbanon hold that Tomas Basar is obligated, as opposed to Rab Shimon, who holds that there's an inherent leniency because this is not a normal form of toma. So as Rab Chaim said before, we are going to apply Apply the leniency of Rava in that case, so that's why Reb Shimon holds that in both cases there's going to be an exemption. So that's how we arrive at the place where, according to Reb Shimon, there's an exemption for Tomas Basar, whereas the Rabbanan are strict for Tomas Basar. But ironically, there is actually no real debate in the original context of their debate of Tomas Haguf because everybody holds that in that case he's actually putter. According to Reb Shimon, he's putter in that case because the Torah inherently exempted him, and according to the Rabbanan, there's no inherent exemption, but since it's not a real food item, so he's putter in that case. So this is a very brilliant reading of it, but what emerges is that according to the Rabbanan and Reb Shimon, the only practical debate is in the case of Tomas Basar. In the case of Tomas Haguf, everybody practically agrees that when he's eating a non-food item, he's going to be exempt. So that's why the Lishna Kama says that they're arguing about Tomas Basar, but they're not arguing about Tomas Aguf. Everybody holds in that case that he's exempt, but that's all based on Rava, because the original context of the debate was precisely the opposite. It was about Tomas Aguf. So the only way we were able to translate from the debate of Tomas Aguf to the debate of Tomas Basar is based on Rava's principle. So Rab Chaim has now very brilliantly proven from the Gemara all of the key Points of his analysis: First, that everyone in the Lishna Kama agrees with Ravah's principle. In theory, they just hold it doesn't apply to the Lishna Kama. Second, that Ravah's principle only applies where the leniency is in the Tumah, not if the leniency is due to some other factor. And third, that the very essence of the debate between the Rabbanan and Reb Shimon is whether the leniency of Tumah Saguf is a technicality because this is a non-food item, in which case Ravah's principle is not in. Invoked, or if there's an inherent leniency in this case, because the Torah specifically excluded non-food items from this halacha, in which case Rava's principle would be invoked. So this is exactly the last approach that Rabhaim suggested to explain why Rava doesn't apply in the Lishna Kama, because since that version is going in the Rabbanan, so there's only a technical leniency. There's not an inherent leniency, so Rava's principle doesn't apply. But that's exactly why the Gemara does invoke Rava in the Lishna Basse. Which is going in Reb Shimon, who follows in the view of Rabbi Shmal, that there's an inherent leniency in the case of Thomas Saguf. So therefore, we transfer that also to the case of Thomas Basar. Now, the one technical small issue Reb Chaim deals with towards the end of paragraph five is that even though this is a very brilliant reading, that the original context of the Rabbanan and Reb Shimon's debate was Thomas Saguf, but the real practical difference is about Thomas Basar. But still, how do we read that in the Mishnah where it says that according to the Rabbanan he's? And that's clearly talking about a case of Tumas Haguf. But according to the Lishnah Kama, there is no debate regarding Tumas Haguf. So Rab Chaim just says that if you read the Mishnah carefully, the Tanakhama never specified that he's talking about non-food items. Only Reb Shimon specified that he's talking about Eitzim Levona and Katoras, the non-food items group. So within the Tanakama, there's a certain ambiguity whether he's referring only to those three non-food items. Or he's talking about broader things, including some food items. So says Rav Chaim, that's a way to explain the Mishnah, according to the Kama. when the Tanakama said that he's obligated, he doesn't mean for non-food items. He means there are cases of Tumas Haguf eating food items, where in that equivalent case, he would not have been obligated for Pegel. But in the case of Tumas ha-guf, he is obligated. But the Tanakama is not saying that non-food items are ever practically obligated. Obligated. Even the Tanakama agrees that all non-food items are exempt. The only question is why. According to the Tanakama, it's a technicality. Whereas according to Rab Shimon, the Torah explicitly excluded non-food items. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to reading this whole Gemara. And again, it reinforces the Rambam's overall ruling that he ignores Rava's principle because since he follows the Lishna Kama, so Rava's principle is not relevant to that case even though they use similar words. But as Rab Chaim explained, there's a totally different concept behind the consistency in the Lishnakama versus Rava's consistency. So nobody disagrees with Rava. The Lishnakama holds of Rava as well as the Rambam. It's just not relevant to the case they're discussing. So now, in the last paragraph, Rab Chaim turns to explain that there are really two different approaches to understanding this Gemara, and that will help us understand why the Raivid disagrees with the Rambam's rulings. So he begins that Tosos asks a question on the Lishna Kama, which said that everybody agrees in Tumas HaGuf that he's exempt. Even the Rabbanan who are strict hold that when it's Tumas HaGuf, he's exempt. So Tosos asks that the Gemara earlier said that there are three kareses, three punishments. Punishments of kares which are said with regards to shlamim, and one of them is something which is not a food. So the Gemara says very clearly that in a case of tumas haguf, where someone eats an inedible, hectish item, they still get the punishment of kares So that goes totally against the Lishna Kama that the Rabbanan are lenient in a case of tumas haguf. So Tosvos answers the Lishna Kama is only saying that the Rabbanan are lenient, that the person doesn't get the punishment of lashes. But even though they don't get the malkus, the lashes, they do get kares. So the Lishna Kama didn't mean to comment in any way on the kares punishment. It's only saying that Tumas Haguf, everyone's lenient with regards to Malchus, but the Rabbonon do hold that he's still going to get kares, like the Gemara said earlier. So now Rab Chaim says that according to Tosfos's reading of the Lishna Kama, this is going to change everything he's been saying, and it's going to undermine his entire analysis because the Gemara earlier. On said that Rava's principle making Tomas Aguf and Tomas Basar consistent with each other only applies to comparing the Kares of Tomas Aguf with the Malkus of Tomas Basar. Those are the two punishments that we compare. But we don't compare the Malkus of Tomas Aguf to the Malkus of Tomas Basar. So the Gemara limits Rava's principle of consistency to comparing the Kares of Tomas Aguf with the Malkus of Tomas Basar, but the Malkus of Thomas Haguf is not part of the equation. So if according to Tosvos, the whole discussion in the Kama is whether or not there's Malkus for Thomas Haguf, not Kareis, meaning the Kama assumes that of course there's kares. the only question is whether there's Malkus, so then of course Rava's principle is irrelevant. We don't need to say any of the ideas Rab Chaim suggested in this piece that Rava's principle of consistency is only about leniency not about stringency. That's why it doesn't apply in the Lishna Kama. And this whole idea that according to the Rabbanan there's a technical leniency in the case of a non-food item, we don't need any of that. It's very, very clear why Rava's principle doesn't apply in the Lishna Kama because the Lishna Kama is discussing the punishment of Malkus for Tomas Aguf. and Rava's principle has nothing to say about that. Rava's principle is only about the Kares of Tomas Aguf. But according to Tosos's reading of the Lishna Kama, it agrees that according to the Rabbanan there is a punishment of kares for Tomas HaGuf. So there's a very simple explanation why Rav's principle is not invoked in the Lishna Kama. In addition, says Rab Chaim, Tosos' approach is also going to answer the other question that he asked, that it's clear that the Mishnah's debate is in the case of Tomas HaGuf. So how could the Lishna Kama say that the whole debate is in the case of Tomas Basar? Says Rab Chaim, again, according to Tosos, the answer is very nice. The Mishnah is talking about kares, so, of course, in the case of Thomas Haguf, according to the Rabbanan, there's Kares. Even the Lishna Kama agrees with that. But the Lishna Kama is saying that there's no malchus. So, there is no contradiction between what the Lishna Kama says and the case of the Mishnah, which is Thomas Haguf, because the Lishna Kama is saying that just like they argue about the Kares of Thomas Haguf, so too they argue about the Malkus of Thomas Basar. But the Malkus of Thomas Haguf, everybody agrees he's exempt from. So, according to Tosvos, we could answer all of Rab Chaim's questions, and we don't need to use Rab Chaim's ideas. Now, Tosvos' approach is also going to explain what the rivid's question is, because if the rivid read the Gemara like Tosfos, so of course he's asking on the Rambam, how could you say in the case of Tumas Agulf, it's just a blanket exemption, even if the Rambam rules like the Lishna Kama's view of the Rabbanan, but that's only an exemption from Malkus, There's still a Kares, So the Rivid's asking, the way Tosfos read the Gemara, the Rambam should have at least specified that there's still a punishment of Kares, even if he wants to rule according to the Lishna Kama that there's no Malkus. So the Ravid's question on the Rambam is based on his interpretation of the Gemara, like Tosfos. Now the Rambam, who disagrees with the Ravid and Tosvos, obviously, and he holds that there is a blanket exemption in the case of Tumas Aguf. There's neither Malkus nor Kares, so he disagrees with Tosvos' interpretation of the Gemara. So Rab Chaim already explained at length through. Throughout this piece, how the Rambam is going to explain why Rubba's principle doesn't apply according to the Lishna Kama, and how the Lishna Kama is going to make sense of the Mishnah, which is talking about a case of Tumas Haguf. But the one lingering question on the Rambam is Tosus's question. If the Gemara already said that there's an obligation of Kares for Tumas Haguf eating inedible items, so what's the Lishna Kama saying that there's no punishment according to anyone? So Rab Chaim says the Rambam is going to have to say that that Gemara earlier, which said that there is kares for eating inedible items, is going according to the Lishna Basra, but in fact it cannot fit in with the Lishna Kama because according to the Lishna Kama, according, according to the Rabbanan, in a case of Thomas Aguf, there's neither Malkus nor kares. So the Gemara that said the other way must be according to the Lishna Basra, and Tosos himself raises this issue that this seems to be the simple reading of the Gemara, the way Rabbi Chaim is explaining it now, because the Gemara in the Lishna Kama explains. The reason to keep the cases of Tomas Aguf and Tomas Basar consistent is because the psukim put those two cases together. So basically, the way the Gemara explains the view that even the Rabbanan are strict in a case of Tomas Aguf and they hold that there is a punishment is based on those psukim. Now, those psukim are only talking about karis They're not talking about malkus. So if we already have an earlier Gemara which said that there's Karis in that case, what is the Gemara now? adding by quoting these psukim which just repeat the same point from a different source that there's still kares the Gemara doesn't seem to be adding anything so that's why Tosvos points this out and he says that the simple reading of the Gemara is as Rab Chaim is suggesting in the Rambam that the debate according to the Lishna Kama, is regarding both kares as well as malchus. so the first view holds that according to the Rabbanan in Tumas Aguf there's neither kares nor malchus. the second view argues back that there is kares and malchus based on those psokim. And then there's a different statement in the Gemara that holds that there's kares in that case from a different source. But either way, the Rambam who is ruling according to the simple reading of the first view of the Lishna Kama. so that's why he rules that in a case of Tomas HaGulf, if someone eats the Eitzim, Levona, or Ktores, they don't get any punishment, neither kares nor Malkus. So this explains where the Rambam got his halacha from. He is not siding with Reb Shimon, he's siding with the Rabbanan. According to one of the interpretations of the Gemara. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to explain the Rambam. Again, this is a bit of a more technical analysis, less conceptual than his normal pieces, but his key points. Are that he's trying to explain why Rava's principle doesn't apply in the Lishna Kama, as well as how the Lishna Kama reads the Mishnah, and so he suggests that Rava's principle of consistency, which the Rambam does hold of, only applies to leniencies; it does not apply to stringencies, which is the case of the Lishna Kama. But the one thing that Rava does help the Lishna Kama do is transfer the original debate of the Rabbanan and Reb Shimon from the realm of Tumas Haguf over to the realm of Tumas Basar, because Reb Shimon and the Rabbanan were disagreeing whether there's a technical leniency or an inherent leniency in the case of Tomas Aguf, which eats a non-edible, hektish item. So even though practically they're both lenient in that case, but that debate is going to translate into whether we apply Rava's principle and apply this leniency also to the case of Tomas Basar.